they were overwhelmed for sure. We constantly see them trying to make sense of it all. And then Jesus says, I'm leaving you. He reassures them though, that though he is leaving and no longer will be with them on earth, he is sending them a helper, the Holy Spirit, to bring to mind what he has taught and also teach it to them. We see that um, recorded in three different sections in John. John 14, 25 through 26 says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And John 16, 12 through 15 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus couldn't have remained on earth for 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, and there would still be more to be taught. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He guides into all the truth. So Jesus reassures his friends these three times not to worry. He is sending the spirit of truth who will bring to remembrance Jesus' words and guide the disciples and teach the disciples. He's giving them comfort and he's giving them peace. How? He is giving them his word through the spirit. His word is comfort. And his word is peace. Now let us turn to our text today. So John 15, 1 through 11. Uh, and and why, why did I choose this text? So we're heading into a new calendar year, as you very much are aware. And um, as Nate was, was uh, mentioning, it's a, it's a fresh start. A fresh start for eating habits or exercise habits maybe work or family habit, habits, um, a fresh start to improve oneself. Now, every day is that, every moment of every day is that, but January 1st is often taken as a, a, a special time to do that. And February 1st, most of those new habits have, are, are gone, unfortunately. Um, but occasionally, by the grace of God, some of them do stick and take hold. And one of my hopes this morning is my prayer is that you would be inspired to seek out, to meditate on, to memorize, to pray through, to be obedient to the word of God in 2024. And I believe this text is extremely helpful to that end. Why is it helpful? It teaches us the happiness and the success that come from a follower of Jesus abiding in the word of God. So we'll go through the text and see how we get there. First off, the first point, why abide in Jesus? He is the word, and in him is life. In verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, 
and my father is the vine dresser. People are the branches. So the vine dresser, God the Father, takes away every branch that does not bear fruit. That is, every branch that is dead. His assessment is done by looking at the fruit on the vine. No fruit, just like we would look at at a tree or a vine, no fruit means the branch is not producing. It is dead and needs to be taken away. It is cut off from the vine because it hinders the growth of other branches. However, evidence of fruit is a sign of life. This life comes not from the fruit, nor from the branch, but from the vine. Let me say it another way without, without the analogy. Life comes not from our works or from our being, but from Jesus. He is the only source of life. John 10.10 10 tells us that Jesus came that his followers would have life and have it abundantly. We do not exist apart from him. He is the source of life and there is no life apart from him. He says, it is by grace that you have been saved. God's grace is connecting us to the vine. God's grace is keeping the branches connected to the vine. This is the work of Jesus. He made a way where there was no way. We were all dead in our sins and trespasses, but God made us alive together with Christ. Christ gave us life. Christ gives us life, eternal life. He is the word and he is the vine, and all life is connected to him. Praise be to God. So if life is connected to Jesus, to the vine, then death is being cut off from the vine, cut off from Jesus. In fact, that's, that's what hell is often referred to, is you are cut off from God eternally. You are cut off from all goodness. We see in verse 2 and in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Death for a branch is when it is cut off from the vine. Cut off from the nutrients that are delivered by the vine to the branch. Death occurs by deviation from God's word. Death goes against the words of God. If you remember in in Genesis 3, the serpent Satan questions the woman in the garden saying, did God really say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And then convinces her that she would surely not die. But what happens after she eats? Death enters where there was no death. And the Lord drove them out of the garden. When we question God's word, when we question the authority of his word, and when we make a way apart from his word, the end is death. It leads to death. In our finite knowledge, when we try and make, make a sense of something apart from his word, when we make a new way, which is contrary to God's word, it will lead to death. For example, Did God really say homosexuality is wrong? God is love and these two people love each other, so let them love and be happy? Where is the harm in that? That makes worldly sense to many people, maybe to you. God's word says it is sin. Romans 1, for example, calls it shameful 
dishonorable, contrary to nature, debased, and forsakes God and truth. It's pretty clear. Homosexuality is sin. We don't get to change God's law because we think we have found a new and better way. His words, the word, is our source of truth. When you hear a new idea, when you have a thought come into your mind, when you hear something from a teacher, maybe at school, when you hear something from up here, test it against the word of God. That is the standard. That is the standard that we must live by. So when we depart from God's law, from his word, we turn away from life in Christ and toward death. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is life. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 56 puts it this way. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, thanks be to God, who gives us life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at verse 3. It's a little bit of a perplexing verse. Um, It steps away from the vine and the branches for a moment. um, And it doesn't contain the word abide in there, which is unique in this passage, um, which is filled with that word. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. If you remember at the beginning of the accounts of the Last Supper, so in John 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And let me read this passage, um, which may be familiar to you, when he comes to Simon Peter. So he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Peter shows his affection for Jesus and understanding of his great need for Jesus. Saying he wants not only his feet to be washed, but his hands and his head, all of him. He understands how great his sin is and his desperate need for his Savior, for Jesus. And Jesus says, the one who is bathed is clean and you are clean. Jesus declares he is clean. In the same way that God speaks, God spoke and the world was formed, God speaks and something happens, Jesus speaks and declares he is clean. All of the 11. In the same way um, that the universe is, is created, God speaks. Um, and this is, this is a new life that is created here. So in, in Peter, when Jesus tells Peter that he is clean, 
there is a new life created, and that is the power of the word. So he speaks cleanness into Peter and into all of his true disciples. But who are his true disciples? He knew that one would betray him. How do we know who his true disciples are? It is those who, by abiding in Jesus, by believing in Jesus, by staying connected to Jesus, by relying on him in every way, persevere to the end. John 8, 31 through 33 says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are free from the bondage to sin. We are justified and made righteous by Jesus. All that is required of us is faith. Faith that God the Father, in love, gave us his son, Jesus, who was executed once for all, that we might know him. Faith that Christ resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven. Even when we were dead in our sins, Christ made us alive. By grace, you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. That's from Ephesians 2. So how do works fit in then? If faith is all we need, where do works come in? Faith is all we need, but obedience is required. The works are evidence of faith. The works are the fruit that can't help but grow off of a branch that is connected to the vine. They are utterly, completely reliant on the vine. The works are to love one another. The works flow from a complete reliance on Jesus and a complete reverence for him and his word. John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. People will know that you are Jesus' disciples if you have love for one another. Your works will display your faith in Jesus. Your works will display that you are utterly reliant on the vine, on Jesus. Works display what is in the heart. Works display character. Your love for one another displays your faith. In the same way, Jesus' works displayed who he was. In John 10, 37 and 38, it says, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. We have amazing accounts of the miracles that Jesus did. Repeated accounts in the Gospels so that we may believe in him, so that we may know who he is and believe in him, that we may abide in him. So, why do we abide in Jesus? He is the word and in him is life. The question is, how do we abide in Jesus? The answer is to know the word and be obedient to the word. We abide in him by clinging to his words and being obedient to his words. From John chapter 1, we know Jesus is the word become flesh. 
And I pray, as I said earlier, I'm praying for all of you that you would dwell in the word, that you would abide in the word. Where can we learn about who God is and what he says about creation and salvation and work and leadership and love and everything? The word, it comes back to his word. Know the word and you will know God. Love the word and you will love God. We have already talked about how life and salvation come from utter reliance on Christ. Verse 3 says, already you are clean. So he's saying, that's, we've covered that part already. You've been cleansed from unrighteousness. You have been set free. And what are we set free to do? We're set free to abide in Jesus, to continue to rest in Jesus. Over and over again. We were not set free that we might go on sinning and turn back to sin. We were set free that we could remain in Christ and be obedient to him. So this is how we abide in Jesus and how he abides in us. We know him, know his word, and be obedient to the word. So um, I've put together a number of, pulled a number of verses from throughout scripture, uh, a number of them from the book of John. Um, know God's word. Where do we see this? Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. In Deuteronomy 18, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It is to him you shall listen. In John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered him when he was asked, um, why, why he wasn't going, why he was staying with Jesus. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So what does this look like? How do, how do we know God's word? I thought of six kind of practical applications. One, uh, read God's word. Read the word in the morning, in the evening, read the Bible. We, it is such a gift that we have this book in our language um, that we can know God. There are different reading plans. Uh, you can read chronologically. You can read from Genesis to Revelation front to back. Um, there are reading plans that you can find online. We, I, we have had some in the past. We, maybe we still have, have some. We can dig those out and, um, and get them to you that will pull together some Old Testament, Psalms, New Testament, Whatever you do, don't let a day go by without reading the word, though. Uh, listen to the word. Showing up on Sunday mornings to listen to the word preach. It's a gift from God to hear the Bible taught here every week. And it's not Daniel's word or Ryan's or mine or anyone else's, but it's the word of God. And listening to it is, is obeying uh, there are plenty of other opportunities to hear the word taught in different ways, podcasts, books, sermons, um, 
and that they all point to the word and you can learn about the word by listening to it. Memorize the word. Hide God's word in your heart. Um, there, are, there are many who have studied, memorized um, hundreds of verses, um, memorized large passages, even whole books of the Bible. Pick something this year and commit yourself to memorizing it. And ask your community group to help keep you accountable to it. I got a feeling there's a family who's going to keep me accountable to that right uh, sitting over here. And uh, they're going to ask me what I'm going to memorize next year, so I better think of something. Um, sing the word. Show up on Sunday mornings in our prayer and worship services like we've got on, uh, on the 10th of January and sing the word. We put the, Ryan, Ryan started putting the scripture verses up there. Um, it is the word of God that we're singing in different form. And think about the words that you're singing. Be moved by them. Be encouraged by those around you who are also singing the word of God. Speak the word to one another. Ask each other in your community groups while you're at the beach having coffee. Just talk about the word with one another. Ask what your friend is reading. Um, one of the habits that I have with, with my kids is on our, sometimes we'll walk over here uh, on Sunday mornings and usually the first question that one of us asks the other is, what, what did we read in the word this morning? Just talk about what you're reading. It's good for accountability and it's good for uh, edifying one another, encouraging one another. And uh, finally, praying the word. Pray Psalm 119.18 before you read, which says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. As you read, let the Spirit open your eyes for ways to pray for yourself and others. A few days ago, I prayed with some brothers, Psalm 139, 24, and 25, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As you read the word, pray through the word. Find verses like that and pray them sincerely for yourself or for others. So, we must know the word and I encourage you to dedicate much time this year to knowing the word of God. Now, knowing it is one thing, but we must also be obedient to it. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. John 8.39 says, They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children you would be doing the works Abraham did. Jesus in John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We are called to follow. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 23 to 24 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my family will love him, sorry, my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And finally, verse 10 of our text today. 
It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Knowing the word and being obedient to the word is how we abide in Christ. It is how we follow Christ, just as he instructed his disciples to do before he was put to death. And after resurrection, before he ascended to heaven, he instructed them to make disciples by teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. Disciples of Jesus, you must know God's word and be obedient to God's word in order to follow him and be fruitful. So we've covered why to abide in Jesus, how to abide in Jesus, and now finally the result of abiding in Jesus, which is God's glory and our joy. We've already looked at some of the results of abiding in Jesus. We have abundant life. We have fruitful lives. We have confidence of our place with Christ. But I said at the beginning that abiding in God's word leads to success and happiness. Now that we have defined what it means to abide in God's word, to know and obey his word, we can look at the fruit born from this abiding in the vine. What does it mean to be successful in this life? Many would answer something in regards to finances, or business, or family, maybe health and longevity. I know there's people who are trying to live forever and not die, um, taking some special supplements. Um, Or maybe the number of friends you have, or the quality of your relationships. But what does God's word say? is a successful life. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong Glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The glorification of God in our lives is our goal. To do that well is to live a successful life. A life when ended, the Father, our Master, says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. May we all hear that one day. Now let's look at verse 8. which says of, uh, of chapter 15 of John, By this my father is glorified. Which is our aim. This is our goal in life. To glorify the father. By this my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus says that the fruit-bearing glorifies the Father and proves our discipleship. But remember, we bear fruit only by abiding in Jesus. The fruit doesn't grow apart from the branch, and the branch doesn't grow apart from the vine. We bear fruit abiding in Jesus, knowing and obeying God's word. We cannot bear fruit apart from God. We cannot bear fruit apart from Christ. It is only through Christ that we glorify God. So, this abiding in Jesus 
is of utmost importance. It is how we achieve success in this life. It is how we glorify the Father. But wait, there's more. Not only success is promised, not only is success promised by God, but happiness also. Look at the last verse here. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We've quoted Psalm 1611 uh, from this platform probably about seven times in the last three weeks. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus is the path of life. In him are pleasures forevermore. The famous Westminster Catechism begins with a question of primary importance. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Here we see the ultimate purpose for us. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. In John 15, we see how to do that. We abide in Christ. Just as Jesus was instructing his disciples in the upper room at the Last Supper to remain in him after his departure, we are likewise instructed to remain in him. Thanks be to God for the gift of the Holy Spirit and this holy word. In Jesus' name. Church, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that we have in our language, that we can read it every day, Lord, throughout the day. God, I ask that for each and every one of us who hears this, this word from John 15, may they be obedient to it. May this coming year be a year of much fruit as we rely on Jesus. As we dig into his word, as we talk about his word with one another, encouraging each other, building each other up with his word, praying through your word, Lord. May you be glorified and may we be filled with joy this year. In Jesus' name, amen.